great question from an anonymous reader here. And he said, hey, hope you're good. I've been in a bit of a rut recently and I've found myself scrolling social media all day with the days just disappearing. Over the last few years, I've consumed self-help and improvement content daily, but I feel that this searching has become a bit of a hobby and I don't put any of the advice into action. Listening to traditional gurus about quieting the mind, I also find myself resisting every time I get a thought, even though I recognize how thoughts cannot be stopped. I just wondered if you have any advice about finding peace within yourself, as I feel like I'm constantly trying to improve and never feel good enough, and any thoughts about finding that purpose and zest for life? Big question, there's lots in there. You also have probably nailed how a lot of people are feeling. I've certainly felt that way as well. And I think hustle porn as a concept is responsible for a lot of the kind of an arms race. The six figure guru type people will keep out trying to outdo each other and say, you know, raising the expectations of what you should be doing in your life. And if you're not a billionaire by the age of 20, then you're a failure and you, you screwed up in life and you need to quit college and become a VC tech CEO and all this kind of stuff. So it looks like in your question, you've already identified part of the problem, which is that the hustle porn, the stuff that you're consuming isn't helping. You know, you've got the the crux of the practical information and now you're stuck in a loop of consuming more stuff and all it's doing is widening this expectation of who you are right now and who you feel like you should be kind of unattainably um, high achievement, the same as the way the fitness industry does, where even the shredded, massive vascular fitness models that you see on on Instagram, even they don't look like that day to day walking around. So, it's the same in the in the fitness world. And and even they spend most of their time thinking that they there's someone else bigger or leaner than them as well. Yeah. So that they're not free of the. Mm. They're not thinking like oh. At least I've made it now. Yeah. And this is the same with with making money or any form of growth. Like there is no point where you go, ah, I've completed it. So you will never feel satisfied with pursuing that stuff. Doesn't mean not to pursue it. It just means that you have to generate a sense of satisfaction from something else. The yeah. The other thing is that there's there's so much that you could do and there's so much self self-help information out there that you could be implementing at any one time, that it becomes paralyzing and you end up doing none of it because you're like, oh, well, and and really, like, if you were to reset the clock and start again and you'd never consumed any self-help information, probably if you search on YouTube for productivity or how to make money online or something and you watched the first video and then you you closed your laptop and only did the advice from that one thing, you'd smash it. So... Informate, more information isn't always the the bottleneck. Especially if by consuming more information, you actually do none of the stuff that you're learning about, which I think is quite a common... Because um, doing the things that are spoken about in all these books and blogs and videos and podcasts, a lot of them are actually... There's no immediate reward from them, most of them. Like exercise, eating well, sleeping well, drinking water, meditating. Like you do a day of all of that, you might feel a bit better, but you don't get to the end of the day like, whoa, 
like that was mm. mint i'm gonna definitely gonna do that all again tomorrow like it's quite hard and it's actually easier to sit there and go yeah but i'm gonna read about the best way to meditate tonight and then tomorrow that's going to be the day where i actually sit and sort of sit with the internal whirlwind and try and deal with that and actually do a meditation session um yeah it's and i think you, the amount of content the amount of things you can do it's far easier to stay in the research mode and all, probably always will be um than actually just pick one thing and do it every day i think that's incredibly difficult to do yeah i i saw a, a great clip from a guy called andy batucci who's very much worth following on on instagram and it was like a clip of someone saying like oh i just need to watch one more productivity video oh, on YouTube. i saw that you shared that it's like <laughs> is it a brain is it a man talking to a brain yeah brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> all of all the videos on that channel are fantastic he really really gets it so sorry that noise in the background is mike spraying his bum hole um <laughs> in the bathroom so <laughs> the shut off yeah Bless very you. very loud um so yeah it, it, there's so much you could do it's paralyzing you need something to break the cycle we do ha you know we're, we're part of this we do have a productivity series on the on the channel but it's deliberately concise it's deliberately the last time you'll ever have to watch stuff on that because it's just here's the key concepts nothing more to learn now go away and execute um and the final part of it is about burning a clean flame now, you may already be doing this, but it's just about finding things which make sure that the unit that you're operating in, your body, is operating at its potential. Because if you're doing things to create holes in the buckets, then of course you're not going to perform well, you're not going to feel well. So the obvious ones, none of it is sexy advice, but stop drinking alcohol, stop smoking, stop doing things to damage yourself. Um, and then... Once you've got those in place, then you can start to add in the training, the meditation, the cleaning up your diet and all the other stuff. I think, so for the for the very observant amongst you, you'll, you'll have noticed I've started re-wearing a whoop band. Um, and I think only really recently have I seen a slightly different um, way of viewing the information that something like that, of whoop or anything like that, rather than seeing it as a... I've got to try and get the new high score all the time. And I've always got to try and find the, the habits set up that gives me green recovery scores. It's more just a reminder to make sure that you are burning a clean flame. Now you can say anything about the accuracy of the data and all that sort of stuff, but you should really be in the green recovery most days with something like that, right? If you're doing the things that we know work, it's just like a, it's a traffic light that goes off and go like, you're being an idiot. You're being a child. Like you're not sleeping enough. You're drinking alcohol. Your diet's terrible. You're training far too hard. And it's something that I think sometimes we, we miss that stuff when, you know, we, we can't, it's hard to be objective. You miss the like, Hey, you know, you, you have, you only slept five hours a night for the last three nights. Whoop will let you know, or something else like that will let you know. But it's not about necessarily trying to gamify it and get the new best score. It's about checking like, oh yeah, green, fine, forget about it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm being an adult. I'm doing the things I need to do. Get on with the rest yeah. of your life. That's, that's a very good point that if you're sleeping five hours a night, you probably are some, somewhat aware of it, but you might need something to tell you like, look, mate, it this is. is really affecting you. Yeah. And so when you've got the cold data in front of you, you can't escape your 
bad habits and kind of minimize them in your mind. So yeah, that's a, that's a big one. You've got to get conscious first. The other thing is there's a great book called Essentialism. You can see my whiteboard in the background there that the arrows there are just saying if basically if you have task one, task two, and task three, and you're allocating your energy equally between them, you're going to make a third of the progress or less on each one. But if you just hammer one thing, task one, then you'll you'll smash it. So that's effectively what the book says. It just says it in a thousand different ways. And it's it's a message that needs to be driven home. It's one that I'm going to keep rereading to really remind myself of this. Um, so you, you need to decide what that is, really. The, the final... Hard... Sorry, go ahead. Just one thing about the essentialism. I think the... It, this might have been in another book that you recommended that I would I would tag onto a recommendation, which is Four Thousand Weeks, because it talks about this cycle of like always trying to be more productive and do more and achieve more. When you know, actually, it's it's being essentialist. But I think that maybe the point he makes in that book might have been him, might be someone else. That actually, everyone everyone hears that and thinks, oh yeah, it's about saying no to the things that I don't enjoy doing. But actually, it's saying no to the things that you would actually quite like to do so that you can have a point of focus so that you can just do the one thing until it's completed and move something forward rather than being trapped in the like, you know, I would quite like to sit and research productivity techniques on YouTube, but I have to say no to that. So I think that's the, that's the really hard part about actioning the stuff in that book. Yeah. It's sacrificing the good for the great mm. for sure. Um, so the final two thoughts that, that, I'll, that I'll give you, and I know Johnny's got some, some wisdom on this, um, is change your fallback task. So you mentioned that you're scrolling social media and you're finding that you, that becomes your, your new default. Just switch that. It's the same energy, but just direct it into something else. So a, a great way to do that would be what, what is the, the default activity that you do? What, you know, let's say it's opening your phone and the app is on your home screen. Replace that app with the Kindle widget or replace it with something that a project that you keep putting off, like so that when you go to do it, you're like, ah, yeah, reminds me. And put the naughty apps, the um, Instagram and TikTok and everything, put them on the final page of your phone in a folder called twat or just delete <laughs> them entirely. <laughs> so just the, sorry, just one thing to yeah. add to that as well. So I had a client who used to do exactly this. So he, he was bad for going on Twitter. He replaced Twitter with Headspace. Um, he had a, of everybody ever, it was uh, Steve, I'll not say his last name, worked them for years, you'll know who I mean. Um, he had the, the longest meditation streak of anyone I've ever worked with because he just always found himself opening Headspace. But the way that he maintained it, and you'll have all experienced this, where you do what you have suggested and you put the productive app in space of the naughty app. But three days later, you've retrained your automatic patterns to still open Twitter. So he had a reminder pop up on his phone <laughs> once a week to to change Headspace to where Twitter is. So he was always just forcing himself to open Headspace. <laughs> no matter what he did. Very clever. Yeah. It's a cool, cool way of... Because eventually you find yourself just scrolling to the page in the folder that says twat and still opening that folder, even though you've moved them there. Well, so the the moral of that story is your your mind is tricky, and you you know you're always trying to outsmart yourself. So you've got to plan ahead, and fundamentally, if you replaced your Twitter checking habit with a meditation habit, how much <clears throat> how much more 
impact would that have on your life? Like how much better would that be? So change your fallback task. The final thing that you mentioned was you said that you're constantly feeling like you're never good enough and that that's kind of causing you to lose your sense of zest for life. I would argue that yes, hustle porn and um, the cycle and the algorithm is all partly to blame, but people often put all the blame onto the algorithm and they neglect to, to take on the fact that all the algorithm is doing is tapping into your human vulnerabilities and your internal stuff. And if you got rid of that stuff, there wouldn't be anything for those algorithms or those kind of um, things to hook into. So I would recommend for dealing with this idea that you've mentioned of not feeling good enough to pull it out at its root and then it can't get at you. So have a look at the video that we have called how to think more clearly, how to get rid of brain fog. The main idea is that willpower can change our actions, but not our fascinations. So rather than trying to run up against your willpower all the time, do some of the internal deconditioning work or reconditioning so that it can't get at you in the first place. And there's many ways to do that. I would recommend psychotherapy because it's a very complete system and you can work with someone and they'll highlight blind spots and things. But there's many suggestions in that video too. Very complete response. I feel like tagging my stuff on at the end is, is not as uh, not as comprehensive, but I'll, I'll have a go. Um, so the, I think the way that I view morning routines, meditating, trying to be self-help in general, all these things, it's it's a way of of like improving your rate of progress towards something or improving the the journey um or even at a, at a more macro level just trying to become happy um but in a very a lot of the time it's in a very indirect way uh there's a i think it was an interview with tim ferris there's a guy called tim urban who writes a blog called wait but why um which is excellent i would highly highly recommend that but in a, in a conversation, he was speaking about this idea of, you know, really what most people want in life, like may, really the, 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 the goal that, that being happy is just crushing a Tuesday, like having a really good Tuesday, you know, really enjoying your day to day. And not many people really think about that. They're always focused on something towards the end of the year, something in month's time, something in, you know, when I achieve this, then I'll be happy, all those sorts of standard goals. Um, but actually the person who just like loves every day of the week is experiencing area under the curve happiness way more than than your average person. Um, and there's a there's a well known exercise um, where you you design your ideal day. So you can sit down and you completely design from scratch. Like if your day could look like anything, what would it look like? Um, funnily enough, this exercise I did it when I was at uni. It's one of the things that encouraged me to go down the career path I went down. It's one of the things that encouraged me to quit and work in propane fitness and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and actually, funnily enough, I'm I'm almost at the like the original ideal day that I wrote sort of six, seven years ago, which is weird. That is incredible. Not not it wasn't this like perfectly grandmaster plan that'll take me seven years to get <laughs> to, but <clears throat> I've slowly edged towards it. Um but I think sitting down and actually rather than sitting down and writing some goals, because that's quite difficult to do, um, especially when you think really big picture, like what do I want? It's quite easy to think, well, I'm going to wake up. Where am I going to wake up? What's the room going to be like? Where am I going to be geographically? Who am I going to be with? What am I going to do when I get out of bed? What am I going to do the mo- in the morning? Where am I going to have lunch? What am I going to do in the afternoon? How do I spend my evenings? And you start to pick out some things that um, 
like the softer things that you maybe wouldn't set as a goal, like um, where you live, what your house looks like, what your plans are in the evening, how often you see friends, um, what foods you enjoy, like whatever, whatever you enjoy doing for work, etc. Um, and you end up constructing this vision, this this thing to aim at, right? This this target. And I think really when you look at self-help and self-development, those things are just ways to help you, in my opinion anyway, move in a certain direction. So morning routines, productivity, they kind of mean nothing if you then just sit all day and don't do anything, right? And you stay just, my entire day is a morning routine and then I go to sleep. That's kind of pointless, right? They're, they're for something. And that that's the part that a lot of the hustle porn peddlers miss out. Mm. Yeah. They'll talk to you loads about the the morning routine and the like all the, the icing on the cake, but often they'll miss the cake itself. Yeah. Like what are you doing the morning routine for? Really? Like yeah, okay, you feel better, but why? Like or you know, you feel more productive, but more productive for what? Like in the traditional sense, like in an economic sense, productivity is a measure of like input to output. Right, you put things in and what is the rate of output you gain from that? How productive is a system? How efficient is it? Um, so that, that, that kind of phrases, frames all this differently in the sense of, well, I'm trying to improve my output towards something. I'm trying to generate something, produce something, feel something, do something. Um, so the, the point you were saying about like never feeling good enough and, and always trying to consume content and, and improve, I think personally i find it value to, valuable to take a step back and think like what do i actually what am i actually aiming at and why am i aiming at it so once you've designed that day do the like this another well-known exercise is the five whys so like i want to wake up here okay well why is that why ask why to that question that, that answer and then why again and why again and you get to some really deep understanding like what it is that you actually care about and what it is that you actually want and if you then spend time pursuing those things building towards just having days, strings of days where you just love what you do on a daily basis and how you spend your time. I think that's really, it's quite hard that that is a poor use of time or that you would not like the end point or the journey. And suddenly a lot of the self-help books that talk about these methods and tactics and tricks start to seem silly because a lot of them are done in a way to sort of mask something else. Right, you're 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 involved in self-help because there's something unaddressed and under the surface, or because you don't like your work, don't like your job, don't like your partner. So I'm gonna like productivity my way or meditate my way through that. Um, so under, I think addressing the underlying stuff is is where how I would approach. Nice. So hopefully that was a useful framework to look at. What you've described here, anonymous man, is something that is only going to get worse across the world as, as this kind of content increases and it, it widens the gap between what we think we should be mm. achieving and what we are right now. Do you think, I get asked by like my dad and my dad's friends a lot, like um, what I think of, of like social media and is it easier for our generation than, than their generation and all that sort of stuff. I, would would you prefer to live in a world where from a technological perspective, things are more basic. Like there's no social media and like go back to our parents' generation where like you, you started a career and that was what you did. And you didn't like you, the people you compared yourself to, you sort of knew directly. 
and you weren't really aware of the person who's just launched a business and sold it for 300 million in Silicon Valley, you know, like, would you prefer that or would you prefer things as they are? Obviously, that's a split test that I don't know how I would feel in that situation, but the evidence would suggest that the, the bigger predictor of happiness is your neighbor's income relative to your own rather than your absolute income. Yeah. It's like your sister's husband or something like that, or like your nearest comparator, <laughs> basically. The person who's most similar to you, what they earn versus you determines yeah. your happiness. So, you know, that, that shows we've got an inbuilt comparator that is making us happy or sad and that's a very flimsy way to hinge your happiness on and you know my whole my whole kind of internal life is is trying to unpick any of those external hooks like comparison or needing control or safety or approval or any of that stuff because they are temporary sources of happiness but it's also the reason why things like instagram have caused more teen suicides and more yeah. anxiety and depression and so on because it just shows everybody's highlight reel and no one shows their blooper reel and so you sat there with your soggy cornflakes scrolling instagram thinking well their life looks amazing why doesn't mine look like that and then that optimizes even more for people that just try and make a, a photo that make their life into a photo shoot and appearance is all that matters and actually if you look at um instagram reality i think on reddit it's loads of photos of influencers and things, but from the angle that they didn't mean to show. And it's, it's always quite mm. grim. It's, it's, you know, you see the, the background and you're like, oh, actually, like, it's only from that one angle that their life looks great. Otherwise, like, they're in a bit of a, you know, they're taken in a shanty town with, with like loads of people queuing up for the for that photo opportunity, but they've just taken it from that one thing where you can catch the sunset and it looks like they're just on their own. I've actually seen this happen. So it's a, again, I'll not mention who it is, but it's a very well-known uh, influencer. She happened to be, I was staying in Scotland with my parents and she happened to just be at the hotel. And uh, um... I, was, I was sat having lunch. She was like sat across the restaurant on her own. Um, and was trying to position her camera to take a photo of herself, like with a, like with a, a coffee with like latte art on. And honestly, but I mean, I know I eat sandwiches quickly, but it, in the time <laughs> that it had taken her to, to take the photo and then post it, I'd had lunch. Like I had arrived, ordered, eaten, and was about to leave when she's like posting it. And you, it is so interesting because you look at anything, you, you know, that'll be one of three or four photos she, at least that she posts that day. It's such this, like, so carefully curated. And like, the thing that I sat and thought about is like, what are the, what is she, when she's worrying and retaking it and redoing it, like what's the framework she's measuring that against? Like what's a good version of that photo? <laughs> what is she trying to look like? That's, that's a crazy story because you, the people seeing that, will probably think, oh, look, she, she's out in a lovely resort and having a nice uh, coffee and relaxing. How, like, easy Whereas and actually, effortless and she's there. how lovely she looks. And yeah, <laughs> well, actually, it took her an hour. It's the thing of, like, you wouldn't really want to be... And these people who are famous, like, people aspire to be like them, but actually, you wouldn't really. You know, if I said to you, you can be in her position, but you've got to... But four hours of your day has to be devoted to perfecting these photos that that create this image that isn't necessarily true 
it creates like a rose tinted version of reality and you've got to do that otherwise you don't get the sponsorship deal you don't get the i think i'd say no in almost every case mm. well and then your your sense of self-worth and income depends on how many likes you're getting God, and so yeah. it like imagine, imagine waking up and cycle. checking your the photo that you took an hour and a half making and it got like half the normal likes how that feels like what that does to your self-image well how and, yeah, how just it's uh in control of you the algorithm is this like black box that they just change randomly um it controls your emotions on a daily basis so it's no wonder that people's zest for life is mm. uh, is dwindling <laughs> the answer is just go live in a forest isn't it just fully unplug go and live in a forest that's the answer. <laughs> or, or go and live in like a upper mountain and meditate. All the time. I think that's, that would be a really interesting long-term Netflix documentary that we, that we need to film over like 25 years. So you get like two people who are both 20 and one of them pursues, both left uni, one of them pursues happiness by traditional methods. So like go get a job, go acquire an income, go get a mortgage, go, you know, all that sort of stuff. The other person just goes to buddhist monastery and meditates and in and in 25 years God, we just survey them i would love to see that i mean highly unethical to really? film unless they unless that was the path they were going to choose anyway but i think to do it as a randomized who's it, trial who's it and say like, right you're in the happiness group the participants like if, if you were to do a study like a twin study and you say right you're off to a monastery for 20 years and you're off to be an influencer. They don't have to be an influencer. They just, well, I think it's just that group just do whatever they would do, right? <laughs> so they're like left to their own devices. You try and become happy because that's really all anybody's doing normally. But mm -hmm. the other people you go and like, look, trust me, this is really the way to do it. Like go and speak to Shinzo well, up the mountain. He'll sort you out. The... <laughs> I suppose the closest thing to that is um, Chasing yeah. the Present, which is a film that we've seen about a guy who was very kind of type A, dealt with addictions, set up a vegan restaurant in New York and like, you know, threw himself into his business. And then he realizes that he's not happy and he's having panic attacks and so on. And he goes around different, um, different gurus and spiritual teachers and learns from them. And it follows that journey. And it's fantastically well put together. I think it's on YouTube yeah, it Premium. Might be on Gaia as well. Um, yeah, it's not on Netflix or Amazon yeah, or anything well, like that, sadly. But it is phenomenal. If you need to be convinced to meditate, that's the that's the thing to watch. Yeah, um, that's the one yeah, that'll do that it. Will, that will do it. <laughs> um, when you've got like big names in the meditating world who are like brought to tears by just talking about the idea of doing a lot of meditation, you're like, God. <laughs> yeah. But that I think that would be because um, I'm sure you have the same thing. Like I have the the inkling that probably the people who live the monastic lifestyle and meditate will actually achieve like paradoxically will will achieve the goal that everybody's trying to achieve far faster um but it would be the mm. route that everybody would would aggressively resist the way i've heard it described described by lester levinson was that the typical pattern is human at baseline desire comes up that causes discontent you then go and try and fulfill that desire you might succeed 
desire is, is fulfilled, the mind is quiet and you're like, oh, okay, I've done that. <laughs> and you feel happy for a moment. And then a new desire comes up and the same cycle repeats. And so he's like, well, if you just short circuit that, <clears throat> you're, you're assuming that it was the object that fulfilled the desire, which caused the happiness. But then the object keeps changing. So it can't be the object. It's the quieting of the mind when the desire That's is fulfilled. Okay. And so if you can just let go of the desire and short circuit the whole thing, then your mind's quiet all the time and you're just permanently satisfied. Yep. It's pretty hard to argue with that, isn't it? <laughs>